0: We're continuing in our study of the, the book of Ephesians. And the book of Ephesians is one, you know, the thing of it is, is when you start studying a book of the Bible, you say, this is the, most, the best book in the Bible. And then you go study another one. This is the best book in the Bible. But <laughs> Ephesians, what's, what's so awesome about Ephesians, it really, from chapter 1 through chapter 6, it really gives us a clear picture of God's plan for the church. It's God revealing his mystery, the church, in the earth, in his plans and, and, and how, what our role is in, in the body or in, his, in the earth as his body. But uh, last week we, we ended off um, in chapter 3 and we looked at how God, the mystery, revealed in the New Testament is the church. The church was not talked about in the Old Testament at all. The Messiah, Jesus, was talked about. Him ruling and reigning on the earth was talked about. But this age, this dispensation that we find ourselves in right now was not talked about in the Old Testament. And the New Testament talks about it being a mystery. It was a mystery to those in the Old Testament, but it's being revealed to us in in the New Testament. Right? The body of Christ. And we've seen that God's plan was to take us, fallen humanity, put his nature, his spirit within us, give us his name, his authority, and through that foolishness of us, the church, destroy the kingdom of darkness. That's awesome. To destroy the works of the devil. God is manifest in his glory and his wisdom through the church. And in verse 13, Paul makes a transition because, and he prays for the second time. And each time he prays, it's right after him talking about God's plan from the foundation of the earth. So that we might have revelation into that mystery, into that plan. And he prayed that the Ephesians might have revelation in God's divine plan for the church. So picking up on verse 13, it states, Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. And as we talked about last week, Paul was in a Roman prison as he's writing these things. Right? And the Ephesians, much like us, could have lost heart or lost hope because of what he was going through. See, the problem with us people is that we put people on pedestals. Right? And we should honor and, and people, but they're not our Savior. Paul wasn't the Ephesian Savior. He's not our Savior either. And what we do is we look at what a person goes through and we judge God or judge God, or judge God's promises or his will through an individual's life no you, you judge God by his word right so if you let's say you, there's a teacher of the word that you really admire right you really really think that he's a man of God and you get a lot of revelation from him and let's just say you find out he's committing adultery on his wife. And you what happens to your heart? Your heart sinks, you lose hope. You think, if he can't, he can't do it, how possibly can I do it? Right? No. Or or, or maybe you discount everything he's ever taught you because he did that. Just because he taught what he taught you is still biblical, he's just mortal. He just failed. So you never put your, put your hope in a person. And Paul, that's what he's saying, don't lose heart because of my what I'm going through. Don't lose heart because I'm in prison. God is still faithful to me, even though I'm in prison. See, the thing of it is, and, and lots of Bible scholars can argue over this, if you read the book of Acts, God warns Paul over and over again not to go to Jerusalem. But he goes anyways. Now, me, I, I'm not in a place, I'm not going to judge Paul that if he was right or wrong. But exactly what happened to Paul through the prophecies that people warned him about going to Jerusalem happened to him. Right? So, was it God's will for him to be in prison? I don't know. But, even though he was in prison, God can turn it around for his good. The gospel still getting preached, the Bible still getting written, And good things are happening. And he says, don't lose heart. The Amplified Version says, "Um, So I ask you not to lose heart, not to faint or become despondent, yeah, through fear at, at what I am suffering on your behalf. Rather, glory in it, for it is an honor to you. So don't let what other people go through in your life cause you not to be in action in God's word, and in action in the kingdom. Don't become despondent. Don't lose heart because of what other people are going through. We lose heart or we faint in our hearts when we start looking at natural circumstances and not to the Lord, when we focus on tribulations and not the promises. That's when you can lose heart. When you start looking at all the tribulations that's going on in your life, when you start looking at natural circumstances, that are going on in your life. And you start judging God by natural things rather than spiritual things. When you start judging God by what you're experiencing and not what the Word of God says. That's why the Word of God is so important. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God or the Word of Christ, right? If you're not in the Word of God, how can faith come? Right? That's why it's so important to be in the, in the Word of God. So God didn't put Paul in the prison. But even though Paul was in the prison, he's working all things together for his good. His good. There are situations and tribulations that each of us go through. And God does not put you in those tribulations. He does not put you through those heartaches and those, and those storms of life. But you know what? If you f- focus on the promises of God, if you focus on him and what he can do through it, he can tw- work all things together for your good. Amen? Amen? Amen. If you re- really believe that, we should welcome storms of life. Chad, are you nuts? Well, if he's going to work it together, it's a, it's a, it's a pay raise, it's an increase. He's going to work it together for good. I'm going to come out on the other side better than I was before. Right? It's kind of like exercising, right? No one likes to exercise. You can tell I don't. But because it's hard. It's hard work, right? But you come out on this other side, what? Better. You come out better. And God, he doesn't put the hardships on you, but if you turn to him, you, you stand on his promises, you trust him, on the other side, it's going to come out for your good, and the enemy will be foiled. Amen? This is a whole different way of looking at life. This is a Christian way of looking at life. This is where the church, this is what we're supposed to be looked at. This is how we're supposed to look at things. So verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now, I'm just going to let you in on a little Bible studying tip. If you you have your Bible... um, it was probably a little B or A or some kind of um, thing after of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you look down in the notes, it says that in the older transcripts, that is not found. Okay? And why is this important? This is important because it changes the whole message of the scripture. So, in the oldest transcripts of the Bible, that phrase is not found in there. See, people question the Bible, and I think the Bible is the most honest thing that there is. If translators added anything that was not found in the, in the, uh, the, the uh, manuscripts, the Greek manuscripts, they put it in italics. If there are some manuscripts that don't have a phrase in it, they let you know. I mean, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's how, that's how much integrity there is in the, in the Word of God, in the Bible. So, what, what happens here? What happens if we we look at this without of, our, of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the American Standard Version of the Bible translates the verse this way. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. See, this is... To, <laughs> It's true that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, right? But this is not what this scripture is talking about. It's not talking about Jesus Christ. It's talking about the church, right? And so this changes it, and it makes God our Father. It becomes more intimate. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. God is your father. God is your father. Look at at what uh, John, I think it's 2017 says. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. This is after his resurrection. Do not cling to me, for I have not ascended to my father. But go and tell my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, and my God is and you're God. That is something that the Old Testament saints could not have said, that God was their father. God is your father. Actually, the Bible says that we're to call him Abba, which is an intimate name for daddy. If you go over to Israel and you hear some kids on the playground and they come running up to their daddy, you'll hear them saying, Abba, Abba. That's what God desires from each one of us. He desires to have a personal, intimate relationship with Him. And what's so awesome about your relationship with God is not based on your old man. Your, your relationship is the same relationship Jesus has with God. That's how God sees you in Christ. It's awesome. So basically, what this is saying for this reason what reason is He going to pray? God's glory in the church. I bow my knees to the Father from whom from whom God the Father, the whole family in heaven and earth is named. God is not the father of everyone. You know, people say that, don't they? They say, well, God, God's the father of us all. No, you have to be born into a family. You have to be born into a family, Right? And we with in what this family you choose to be born into it when you choose Christ, you become born again, your spirit his his DNA his spiritual DNA comes inside you, and you are now part of the family of god you 're part of the family of God and notice that this family is in heaven and earth that should make some people happy here that if you have some Family members that fell asleep in Christ, they're, they're still in the family. It's the family on heaven, and on earth, and in heaven. Just because you go home to be with the Lord doesn't remove you from the family. Children are named after the Father, not the oldest son. We're not named after Jesus, we're named after God, the Father. The family in heaven and the family on earth are named after our Father God. When we leave this earth, we don't leave the family. You don't leave the family. You leave the body of Christ, right? Because the body of Christ is what is in the earth, right? So if you're on an eye or you're an ear or you're a hand, when you leave this earth, God brings someone else in to fill that spot in the body of a hand, an ear, ear an arm, whatever it might be. See, here's the thing. That's the faithfulness of God. When, when you hear about great men of God going home to be with the Lord, they're still in the family. And, we, and we, people say, we've lost a great saint. Well, maybe in your eyes, but God is faithful. He brings someone else into that position to fill the, that position and that need in the body of Christ. It might be you. Amen? Amen. We all have a role to play. So in verse 16, that he, the father of the family, would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Strengthen in the Greek, that word strengthen in the Greek means ruling power. Okay, what's ruling power? That's different than force. Ruling power means authority. You have a king might be a little five-foot wimp. But because he's a king, he has ruling authority over the kingdom. You understand that? That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That word might is the Greek word dominus, 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 however you say it where we get the word dynamite from, and that's explosive power. That's inherent power. That's the strength of a person. And what he says is that we're supposed to be ruling. We're supposed to have ruling power. That's the word of God. That's understanding your righteousness. We rule in life, how? Through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, our right standing with God. So we have the authority of Christ Jesus. That's that ruling power. That's the that strength we have. And when we put our faith into who we are in Christ Jesus, then the Spirit comes alongside and brings the duminous power, the mighty strength, the supernatural power of God to work in your life. Right? A cop, he, he might not have a lot of strength to him to stop a vehicle. He has a stoplight. Right? He puts his hands up. He might not have a lot of power to stop. A two-ton two two, two uh, vehicle. But the car stops. Why? Because he has ruling power. That badge means something. And if that car chooses not to stop, then he just gets on his radio, he calls the rest of them, and that car eventually stops. And that individual goes to jail. And that's the same thing with us. We have the... When we understand our righteousness, when we understand our ruling power... Then we have the faith to be able to stand and depend on the Spirit of God to bring the strength, the might, the power, the duminous power that we need to change the situation. And that's what Paul is pr- praying right here. So it's the word and faith, the word and faith, that Christ may dwell, make his home in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. Christ wants so much more from us than just, just to have a religious relationship, just to have a Sunday afternoon acquaintance or small talk or or just a religion. He wants to actually make his home in you. He wants to make his home in you. He wants intimacy with you. And he wants you to be rooted and grounded in love, which is who? God. God is love. Look at what Galatians says. Galatians says... Verse five or chapter five, verse six it says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Your faith, that 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 power of God, works by understanding the love of God. And what what does that, that circumcision, uncircumcision thing? Basically, what he's saying there, it's not of the flesh. It's not something you do, it's trust in God, and it works. When you understand his love. When you understand the love of God. In 1 John 4, 17-19, it says this, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. How can you have boldness before God? How can you have boldness in the day of judgment? Because as he is, so are we in this world. That's that ruling power. That's that understanding your righteousness. That's understanding who you are in Christ Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. The love of God is, is, is the key to, to walking in faith. This is why faith and love go hand in hand. Love keeps fear away so faith can operate. See, You have to understand something. Fear is the opposite of love. Love, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's why I wanted to put it in my notes, because I wanted to say it correct. Love, I've been taught that love is the opposite of fear. Fear. My goodness, I'm really screwing this up. Faith is the opposite of fear. That's what I've been taught. Faith is the opposite. I said it right the first time. Faith is the opposite of fear. And that's not true. Fear is the opposite of love. The opposite of fear, or faith. My goodness, I should have wrote it down. The opposite of faith is the law. Do you understand that? So, If you're not rooted and grounded in love, and you're rooted and grounded in the law, you're going to have fear before God. But if you're rooted and grounded in love, you're going to have faith towards God. If you're rooted and grounded in Christ and what God has done on your behalf through Christ Jesus, you're going to have faith towards God. But if you're rooted and grounded on what you must do, keeping the Ten Commandments, keeping the law, And we should keep them. But if that's how your relationship is dependent on God, it's going to cause fear to enter your hearts because you're always going to question, am I good enough? Am I worthy? Can I go before God? I did this, this, and this. God's probably mad at me. No, Jesus Christ has settled it for all that he loves you. He loves you. And so when we enter into a relationship with God based on love rather than the law, then we have faith rather than fear. Did that make sense after I screwed it all up? So Ephesians chapter 3, moving on to verse 18, it says that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and height. And I just want to pull this out, is that Paul always talks about the church as a body, as a family, with all, the whole family on earth and the family in heaven. Right? There is no Lone Rangers in the body of Christ. I have never met an individual that was not connected to a local church that had fruitfulness in their life. They might be going to heaven, they might do devotions and spend time with God, but as far as having fruitfulness and seeing God multiply in their life, His kingdom, I never see it. You know, Jesus had 12 that he hung around with. He had 72 at one time. In the upper room, there's 120. Paul never went anywhere on his own. He always had his family around him. And when he got to a place, what did he do? He built a family. The body of Christ is a family. And we're meant to do this together and work together. We're not lone rangers. We're not mavericks. And this is God's plan. This is God's plan to accomplish his will in the earth. God's plan is for us to work together as a team with all the saints, That we might understand what is the width, the length, the depth, the height. What is that talking about? God desires for us to grow in comprehending and learning through his word. And that's what this is talking about. What is meant by the the width, length, depth, and height? Well, the breadth in the Greek means a storage place. And it refers to all the different categories of the gospel of Christ. See, so many people can get into tangents. They can just focus on one issue in the, in, in the body of Christ. One issue in the gospel. But the gospel, it makes up a whole. Everything that Christ has done for us. Jesus did not say that I will give you the key to the kingdom. What do you say? I will give you the keys, the keys to the kingdom in Matthew 16, 19. Praise, praise and worship. Some people get off. Everything's about praise and worship, Right? You guys experienced that? Everybody, Some people get off on studying. You've got to study and you've got to know. the. What's the sense of studying the Bible if you don't have a relationship with God? What's the sense of studying the Bible if you don't, aren't able to flow in the spirit of God? Right? Deliverance. Some people get into all this and they see a demon behind every, every doorknob. And then speaking in tongues, confession. These are all important. These are all things. You know, you can get off on... on You know, healing. You can get off on healing to a place where that's all you talk about, but what happens if an individual doesn't need physical healing? What happens if they just need to know that that they're forgiven by God? What happens if they just need an encouragement? Right? See, we can't get off on tangents. We have to understand the whole counsel of the gospel of Christ. We've got to be a whole body, and that comes through understanding the word of God. The length, the length has to do with time or orientation, orientation, where you are on God's dispensation calendar, and we understand what the word dispensation means. It means a time, a period, right? We need to understand that. We need to understand where we are on God's calendar, there's a lot of people that go back and try to be messianic. They try to do passover and they try to keep all these religious ordinances in the Old Testament. That's not our dispensation. There's a lot of people that always all they focus on is the Old Testament. That's not our dispensation. Our dispensation is the church age where we live now. All these dispensations should be studied. They should be understand understood. But, and most importantly, you should be looking for Jesus in all these dispensations because as we've seen on Easter Sunday, that Jesus shows up in all these dispensations and it starts out with the grace of God, ends with the failure of man, right? Until the church age came where it started out with the failure of man and ended with the grace of God. God took care of it. That's why most of our time should be spent in the New Testament, Think about that. Your study, your understanding, to, um, your, your time in the Word should be understanding the dispensation we live in, the time period we live in, the church age, the grace of God. That's where all your time should be mostly spent. In 2 Peter 1.12, this is what Peter, he was an apostle of Jesus Christ, one of his disciples, he says, for this reason I will not be uh, neg, I cannot talk today. Neg, negligent, my goodness, to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. See, in the Old Testament, there was a truth, but now there is a present truth. The present truth that was brought by Jesus Christ. They didn't have this truth in the Old Testament. Because Jesus had not come yet. Now we live in this present truth, the present truth of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're supposed to be focusing on. The height refers to our relationship with God. The depth refers to our relationship with man. One is vertical. One is horizontal. Right? Your relationship with God doesn't change by your actions. But your relationship with men changes by your actions. God might, will not judge you by your actions, but men will. So when we have a good relationship vertical with God, it will help us with our horizontal relationship between men. That's why it's so important. That's why it's so, it's so important not to live in sin. That's why it's so important to, to walk in the Spirit. is because you will be judged. And unfortunately, God is judged by the works of men. In Luke 10, 27, you shall love the Lord your God, that's the height, with all your heart and with all your souls and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor, that's the depth, as yourself, as yourself. And we know that this is the law. This is the sum total of the law. No one could keep it. And Jesus, what did he do? He loved God with all his heart, soul, strength. and He loved us more than himself. He gave himself for us. And by experiencing that love for ourselves we now can love god with all our hearts because we've 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 received that love up to that point we didn't have that love in us to give but now because of jesus christ we had that love in us to give we're not no longer bankrupt and we can love god and love our fellow man and it's all through jesus So what areas are we supposed to comprehend? Paul's praying here, and he's saying, we need to comprehend. I want you to comprehend some things. The first thing was the full gospel for every area of our Christian lives. If you're lacking in an area, study the word of God, see what it has to say about that area. Number two, it said that the part of the word that is for our time period, the church age, so many people don't understand New Testament. It's a new covenant, new contract between God and Jesus. God and Jesus. And by us being born again, we're brought into the body of Christ, and we get all the benefits. That's awesome. Um, Then comprehend your relationship with our Father. We talked about that, that God is our Father. We call him Abba now. He's not distant. He's a daddy. And then because of our relationship with God, that we would comprehend our love relationship with fellow believers in the body of Christ. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 19. To know, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And this scripture I've quoted many, many times. And hopefully you understand what the scripture is saying. Because how can you know something that passes knowledge? It doesn't make any sense, Chad. It's because that word knowledge means knowledge carnal, natural knowledge. And that word know means experiential knowledge. God God desires for you to experience his love. In the book of Genesis, God said, it says that Adam knew his wife and they begot a child, they begot a son. That word know means to experience love. God wants you to go past just, yeah, I see that John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yep, God loves me. Go past that knowledge of just talking to someone. You know God loves you. Yeah, I know God loves you. God loves everybody. No, do you know that God loves you. Have you experienced the tangible presence of God? Have, have, have you ever had a tear go down your eye or found yourself weeping because you feel the love of God on you? That's God's desire for your life. God's desire is for him to be tangible in your life. He's not a dead God. He's a living God. He's alive. And he wants to, you to experience his love. It needs to go past just a, a carnal mental knowledge, and it has to drop into your heart where you're just filled with the fullness of him. Because if you're filled with his love, God is love, and you're filled with the fullness of him. The more you know the love of God, the more you're filled with the fullness of God. You know, you start talking about love and, you know, men don't like lovey, mushy stuff. But love is the most, par- <laughs> love is the most powerful thing on the earth. Jesus was the most powerful man that ever walked this earth. And he was full of love. He's full of love. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, I love these words, abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. You know, it's one thing for God to answer your prayers, but he says that he's able to do exceedingly more than you ask. Exceedingly abundantly above anything we ask or think. There's some things in your life that you would really enjoy, but you don't ask Him. You just think about them because you think, well, God doesn't care about that, or God wouldn't do that, or how would that ever happen? He says, ask. How many of you ever had something happen in your life that you really wanted to happen in your life, but you never asked God, and it ended up happening anyways? I have. I have. God is willing to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. According to what? The power that works in us. That's that new birth. That's that spirit that lives inside you. We've got to tie all these scriptures together. That's that ruling power and that might, that doominus power that's already in you, that works how? Through love, that you might be filled with the fullness of God, right? See how that all just comes right together? Understanding who you are in Christ, understanding the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, understanding the love of God causes you to be able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think through that power that works in you. Amen. You, you guys are so much bigger than than you know. So much bigger than you know. You are so much more capable than you know. Not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is. Verse 21 To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus. What is God, God wanting to do? He's wanting to bring glory to what? The church. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. I love that word all, and I love that word generations. Because so many people want to write this stuff off. Well, that was just for the early church. That was just for the apostles. That was just for special, the apostles, the disciples, special people, the saints. You know, that's not for us. We can't expect God to do that for us. No, it says all. And you know what that means in the Greek? You know what that word All means in the Greek, it means all. That means all. All generations. Are we in a generation right now? God is wanting to do that in this generation. God is wanting to do it in this church, this body of believers. He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think. Through that power that works through us. Forever and ever, amen. You know what that means? That means when we get to heaven... He's still going to be doing exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. Forever and ever and ever. Every day you're going to wake up to a new miracle. Every day you're going to wake up and you're going to say, wow, God, you're awesome. He's just going to continue to glorify himself in his church. Forever and ever and ever. And he ends with, so be it. Amen. Amen. Well, that takes us to the end of chapter 3. And if you remember from our early, early um, lessons that the first three chapters are positional truth, okay? We need to understand the first three chapters if we're going to live in the last three chapters. So the first three chapters talked all about God's plan for man that was done before the foundation of the earth. That was in chapter one. In chapter two, we've seen how Jesus Christ broke down all barriers and made it possible for us to enter into that plan that Jesus fulfilled that plan. And in chapter three, which we just went through, Paul was showing the revelation of the mystery, how the Holy Spirit was revealing the plan to the church of who the church is and what we're called to do. Right? Now that we understand all that, you might have to get the CDs and go over them again. But now that we understand all that, now we enter in into temporal truth. How do we now take what we learned in the three, first three chapters and live them out in the last three? Chapters 4, 5, and 6. So now we're going to apply what we learned in the first three chapters. Next week we're going to start off in chapter 4 and learn how to apply how to walk this out by faith and through the Spirit of God. Amen? It's going to be good. You've been listening to a message from Kyrus New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.kyrus.org.